Once he stood at a well, he said, Who engraved this stone? They told him it was the water which drips upon it every day. And they said to him, Akiva, are you not familiar with the verse, As the waters wear away the stones? On the spot, Rabbi Akiva made the following deduction. If something soft like water could chisel its way through something hard like stone, then surely the words of Torah, which are as hard as iron, can penetrate my heart, which is flesh and blood. Welcome to Bible 365, episode 248, Job and Hatikva. I'm Mayor Soloveitchik. Two years ago, the Jewish papers reported on an unprecedented liturgical conundrum, one which joined history, archaeology, ritual, and law. It was a result of the tale of Israel's tree named Methuselah, one whose story I've mentioned in the past and will now briefly summarize. In the 1960s, Yigal Yadin excavated the mountain fortress Masada, where the final failed stand against the Romans took place after the destruction of the Second Temple. The excavators at Masada uncovered a store of date pits from fruit that had been stockpiled by the besieged defenders. Assuming the pits were uninteresting, the archaeologists placed them in a drawer. But in fact, they were from a species that was no longer in existence, the Judean date palm, once the most famous and flourishing source of produce in Israel. Forty years after Masada's excavation, an Israeli botanist by the name of Elaine Salave took one of the date pits, treated it, and then planted it. And soon, new sites were reporting headlines such as Palm Resurrected from a 2,000-Year-Old Seed. Today, this tree known as Methuselah, the oldest tree in Israel, is a striking symbol of the resurrection and resilience of the Jewish people. Following up on their success with Methuselah, the botanists resurrected several other Judean date palms from the Masada seeds, and now fertilizing one with the other produced the first truly Judean dates eaten in two millennia. And this is what brings us to a fascinating Jewish legal enigma. The paradigmatic blessing of celebration is Blessed are you, God, who has granted us life, allowed us to endure, and enabled us to reach this time. The blessing is also uttered when one eats a new fruit, meaning one which he or she has not had in some time. That experience obligates Shechiano. Now, what about this date? Is it a new fruit or is it an old one? On the one hand, dates are commonplace in the land of Israel. Nothing about the appearance of the date indicates its uniqueness. In fact, there is a case to be made that this is not only not a new fruit, but in fact, one of the oldest fruits that ever was. On the other hand, it is a radically new botanical specimen, one which reflects not just newness, but renewal, one which embodies the eternity of the Jewish people, one that embodies the essence of the Shechiano blessing, that God gave the Jewish people life and allowed it to reach this moment. In the end, the Israeli botanist tasting the date did indeed say Shechiano, an eminently defensible decision. But on reading the article, I realized that these miraculous dates symbolize, more than any other, another liturgical pronouncement related to fruit. The Talmud instructs that on Rosh Hashanah, various fruits ought to be eaten as omens for the year to come. One of these omens, very much in practice among Sephardic Jews and now spreading again throughout the Jewish world, involves eating dates. The purpose is to pun in prayer. Date in Hebrew is Tamar, and so we ask the Almighty, May it be your will, Lord our God, that our enemies be brought to an end. And indeed, ladies and gentlemen, this date embodies how the Romans are long gone and Israel endures. With this in mind, we will today do something slightly different in our study of Job. We will pause our larger analysis of the story and look at one chapter that is largely about hopelessness. Inspired by the wonderful writings of Rabbi Yaakov Medan, 
we will contrast Job's despairing description of three natural phenomena with the way that Jews throughout the centuries have drawn hope, tikva, from the very same aspects of the natural world. The tree, waters, and the stone. After an exchange with his first friend Eliphaz, Job's second colleague, Bildad, speaks, who waxes eloquent about the justice of God, implying, as Rabbi Maidan explains, that Job must be personally responsible for what has happened to him. Job in chapter 9 responds that Bildad's approach holds human beings to an impossible standard before God. Job says in verse 20, If I justify myself, mine own mouth shall condemn me. If I say I am perfect, it shall prove me perverse. Though I were perfect, yet would I not know my soul, I would despise my life. This ultimately leads to a meditation on mortality by Job that is devoid of hope itself. In chapter 14, Job says, Man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. He cometh forth like a flower and is cut down. He fleeth also as a shadow and continueth not. And doth thou open thine eyes upon such a one and bringest me into judgment with thee? Who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean? Not one. Seeing his days are determined, the number of his months are with thee. Thou hast appointed his bounds that he cannot pass. Turn from him that he may rest till he shall accomplish as one who is hired his day. For there is hope of a tree. If it be cut down, that it will sprout again, and that the tender branch thereof will not cease. Though the root thereof wax old in the earth, and the stock thereof die in the ground, yet through the scent of water it will bud, and bring forth boughs like a plant. But man dieth and wasteth away. Job thus considers a tree, and sees hope for the tree, tikva in the original Hebrew for the tree, but no hope for himself. Rabbi Medan describes Job's perspective. According to him, Job is saying as follows, quote, for man, the land is nothing but a source of financial profit. Severed from the land, which expresses eternity, his life is a fleeting moment like a wildflower with no roots to anchor its existence. His death is inevitable and hopeless like that of a withering plant. The inescapable conclusion is that you cause man's hope to be lost. For a tree, in contrast, there is hope. Even if it is cut down, it may yet sprout anew. Even if it grows old and withers, it will come alive at the mere hint of water. Its fate is different from the fate of man. Owing to its connection with the timeless earth, the tree's roots are firmly planted in the ground and it continually draws its sustenance and nourishment from the earth. Death is therefore foreign to it. More importantly, it knows no despair. End quote. Thus Job looks at the tree and pondering how in his view humanity is nothing like a tree, sees in the tree a source of hopelessness. The traditional Jewish approach, however, has been different. Ki ha'adam eitzhasadeh, Deuteronomy declares, which can be read as saying that man is akin to a tree in the field. And as we explained in our Bible 365 episode about that verse, for by Joseph Soloveitchik, this means that human beings are compared to a tree because we too have roots. And as Jews, in seeing a tree, we are inspired to ponder how we have roots that connect us to a people, a heritage, a past, and a future. Jews therefore see a tree as a sign symbolizing our connection to our people and therefore of hope itself. And ladies and gentlemen, can the tale of Methuselah, the resurrected Judean date palm and body, anything other than tikvah, than hope? Do not the resurrected fruits of Methuselah testify to Jewish rootedness in a land and Jewish connection to each other? Does it not embody the immortality of a people? The Romans could scarcely have imagined that the siege tower they created at Masada would one day be used as a path for tourists and that the fortress that they conquered would one day be used to swear in Israeli troops. And they certainly did not imagine that the forum in Rome would lie in ruins 
and Methuselah would flourish in the desert of Israel. Job said, there is hope for a tree, and he was right. There is tikvah for a tree, but there is also, therefore, always the hope, ha-tikvah, for the Jewish people. And this brings us to Job's next image in the chapter, verse 18. Job says, And surely the mountains falling cometh to naught, and the rock is removed out of his place. The waters wear the stones. Thou washest away the things which grow out of the dust of the earth, and thou destroyest the hope of man. Thou prevailest forever against him, and he passeth. Thou changest his countenance and sendest him away. Water wears away stones. This for Job is another metaphor for the transience of human life on earth. Job is focusing on the stones rather than the water. We are the stones for him, not the water. And there is therefore, I think, a literary irony here because the etymological root of tikva, or the infinitive lekavot, to hope, also means to gather waters together, a word which first appears in the story of creation. As Genesis describes, the world begins as chaos, tau vavo, and we are told, v'ruach elokim merachefet al the Spirit of God hovers over the water, and then God says, after creating light, Yikavu hamayim, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together. Viteraeha yabasha, let the dry land appear. This word yikavu, let the waters be gathered in, shares the same root as tikva, hope. One can therefore suggest that hope is to believe in the face of tahu vavohu, in the face of the chaos in this world, that we can imitate our Creator and gather together a reservoir of strength within us. If we are created in the image of God, then just as creation started with the Spirit of God over the waters, so too we are gifted with a spirit of our own that can reveal this reservoir of courage within us to face the chaos that appears in our lives. And thus, famously, as Rabbi Medan notes, one of the greatest rabbis in Jewish history, hearing the verse of Job's despairing description of stone, turned it on its head and found therein a source of hope. Thus the rabbis tell us of the origins of the great Rabbi Akiva. Quote, He was 40 years old and had never studied anything. Once he stood at a well, he said, Who engraved this stone? They told him it was the water which drips upon it every day. And they said to him, Akiva, are you not familiar with the verse as the waters wear away the stones? On the spot, Rabbi Akiva made the following deduction. If something soft like water could chisel its way through something hard like stone, then surely the words of Torah, which are as hard as iron, can penetrate my heart, which is flesh and blood. Immediately he returned to studying Torah. End quote. This verse cited to Rabbi Akiva was Eov's despairing description of mortality, but Rabbi Akiva is inspired by it, seeing a sign of hope in the water. Writes Ramadan, quote, Eov looked at the stone's erosion and it led him to despair. Akiva focused on the power of the water and its effect on the stone, and that gave him hope and strength, end quote. And it is therefore no coincidence, as Ramadan himself points out, that Rabbi Akiva rejuvenated Jewish hope after the defeat of Bar Kokhva and the seeming triumph of the Romans. Writes Remedan, quote, It was not only for himself that Rabbi Akiva drew hope, but for his entire nation. Just as the stone was strong and hard, so the Roman Empire was strong and hard toward the nations that were crushed under its dominion. But the nation of Israel was as weak and soft as water, and just as water flows from a high place to a low place, Israel fell from the elevated glorious heights of the Hasmonean kingdom to the abyss of subjugation and the destruction of the temple. Nevertheless, Rabbi Akiva maintained his faith in their power. End quote. The inclusion of the book of Job in the biblical canon is the ultimate indication of the fact that Jews are not insensitive to suffering in life. And indeed, as a people, Jews have throughout the centuries suffered so. But it is in the face of this suffering that the Jewish people did not give in to despair and found reservoirs of courage and hope within themselves. 
Thus, these dates of Methuselah simultaneously make manifest the miracle that is Jewish life and the pain and defeat that Jewish history contains, thereby illustrating as few fruits can why Jewish life was never taken for granted, why Jews say with such reverence and joy and with such profound gratitude, To eat the dates of the Methuselah tree is to think of the length of Jewish history, of its tragedies, its sacrifices, its pain, and its triumphs. And whenever the blessing of Shechiano, blessed are you God who has given us life, is pronounced, the liturgical pronouncement involves a joyous joining of celebration with a deep understanding of life's fragility learned from the very span of the Jewish historical experience. One enhances the other. The pain of the past lends a depth to the joy with which at celebratory moments we pronounce Shechiano. And may God give us many more occasions to say this blessing and joy. This is Mayor Soloveitchik. Looking forward to learning together next week. Wishing you a Shabbat Shalom. Signing off. Thank you.